Okay, good afternoon. Welcome back. Last time we spoke a little bit about candle lighting. Um, primarily, we spoke about the 18 minutes and when one should light candles. So let's just finish up a couple of other uh, topics regarding Hadlakas uh, Neiras, lighting candles before Shabbos. Number one is first of all, whose obligation is this? Now, who has the chi of the requirement? to light mitz, uh, uh, candles. And this is a common misconception that people think that this is a woman's mitzvah. It's actually not true, and it's a very important distinction to make sure that we are clear on. There's an obligation on the household, everyone in the household, to light candles. It has become customary for many, 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 many years that women are the ones who fulfill this particular mitzvah, meaning it's incumbent upon everyone in the house. The house needs to have candles lit. Everyone in the house has the same equivalent obligation, and women have taken it upon themselves to be the ones to generally fulfill this. There are various reasons that are given, but it doesn't really matter because if a woman doesn't light or can't light or is running late, 100% uh, her husband or one of the children or anyone else in the house would have the same obligation and 100% can light um, in her stead, whatever the reason it may be. Because of this fact that it is equivalent, both men and women have the same obligation, even though it's women who generally are the ones who do light the candles, also many customs develop that the husband or the man in the house will... Uh, prepare the candles, that he should have some aspect of this mitzvah because it's incumbent upon him as well. So many uh, homes, uh, the husband will prepare, will set up the candles. Uh, my grandfather's Chonel Racha used to light the candle and then quickly burn it out so that once the, the wick had been lit once, it would catch much quicker uh, when my grandmother would light. But he wanted to have some part, some chilek in this mitzvah. It shouldn't be uh, something that men have nothing to do with. We have very much, just as much to do with women in fact, even though the women traditionally are the ones who actually uh, light it. How many candles do you have to have? And here again, we have a uh, great misconception that you have to have two. The actual requirement is one. You have to have a candle that there should be light for all the reasons we discussed last week. Um, as a kavot to Shabbos, as an oneg, you should be able to see, you should see your food, and all of the various uh, reasons. Of course, as we all know, even though the requirement is one, uh, the custom, of course, developed to light two. Uh, various reasons are given for that as well. Most famous, Zohar and Shamor, the two aspects of Shabbos, the safeguarding Shabbos and the active fulfillment of remembering Shabbos. Um, and that's where the custom of two developed. The reason why it's important, again, to note that it's actually the requirement is one, is if you end up in a situation where you don't have two, you're away somewhere for Shabbos, whatever the case may be, uh, lighting one is also sufficient and you would do the same thing. You would make a brach and light your candle just like if you had two. And of course, many people have the custom where they add candles per member of the household. So if there are two children, they'll light uh, four total chill, uh, candles, the two for Zachar and Shamor, and then they'll light an additional two. Um, my Grandmother again, Zechrana Lavracha, um, uh, instructed, uh, encouraged, suggested to my wife when we got married that her minhag in Eastern Europe was to light one candle in addition to whatever number of children were in the family. So there shouldn't be, I don't know, it's an ayin horror or something, that it, it was whatever. So when we got married, she already started with three, and then for every additional child, added one plus. Um, and that's what she uh, continues to do to today. Um, but what everyone does, one should always, whenever they do, when they do it for the first time, should say, Bli Nedr, I'm not taking this on as a, you know, forever. Bli Nedr, I'll take this on, you know, to add these additional, uh, these additional candles. Uh, what, what 
should the, what type of fuel, what type of candles, what type of oil do you need to use for, uh, for Shabbos? So we actually, every Friday night, we go through the Mishnah in Mesecha Shabbos, Bamem Madlikin, Uvim Ma'ein Madlikin, with what can you light and with what don't we light? And that basically comes down to anything that lights well. The only concern we have is that the candle will flicker. This is a much greater concern, obviously, in the time of the Mishnah, in the time of the Gemara, than we do today, where we don't really use the candles for anything anyway. We have our electric lights. But if the candles would flicker, and that was your only source of light, we were afraid you would play with the candles to make it burn better, which, of course, you cannot do on Shabbos. So the only thing the Mishnah really was concerned with that would be a good type of burning candle. Olive oil was always considered an ideal. Many people have the custom to do that, but really anything works. The long wax candles are fine. Uh, paraffin oil has become very popular. All of those are totally fine. We don't have, uh, as long as it burns well, you're totally fine. And that brings us to what we titled today's topic with, okay, well, when I light, now that we began just covering some of the ideas of the, of the mitzvah of Adakas Neres, what's with the waving of the hands? Why do women do that when they light candles? So the reality is there are actually two parts of what women traditionally do when they light candles. One is the waving of the hand. Most women do it three times. And then they cover their eyes. So let's break down those two components of the wave, the three waves, and then the covering of their eyes. And why is it that they do that? And this is important to understand why it is we do the things we do. And going back to what we started with, the fact that men are just as required to light candles as women and how this process is going to work for both. This idea comes down to a, uh, a, a pretty simple halachic concept, which will have its application here in candlelighting. That is the concept that when the sages enacted that we make a bracha, they almost always enacted or established that the bracha should be made before we do the act, the mitzvah that we're about to do. Let me just uh, take a, back, a moment to explain what I just said in, this, in the perspective of a bracha is not actually part of the mitzvah. Also very important, we should always understand what it is that we're doing. The Torah says, blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah coming up. Blow shofar. There's no bracha. The Torah just says, I want you to blow shofar. Chazal added, this is such an important event, let's add a bracha that we should signify what it is that we're about to do by declaring, Baruch atah Hashem, you are blessed. Asher that you sanctified us b'mitzvosav with your mitzvahs, v'tzivanu, and you commanded us to do this. So we make a bracha before doing the act, that the act shouldn't just come out of nowhere, so to speak. Putting on tefillin, the mitzvahs to put on tefillin. The Torah doesn't require a bracha. The sages said, before you put on your tefillin, make a bracha. Same thing with the talas. And the way that they did, or the order that they established a bracha is almost always what we call over la'asiyasan, before, right before you do the actual mitzvah is when we make the bracha. And there are dozens and dozens of examples. For example, just to go through to show you how, how we're so familiar, take this for granted. When you take the lulav and esrog, which we'll also do in just a few weeks from now, right? Immediately before taking the lulav and esrog is when we make uh, the bracha, tefillin, chuppah, right before the groom puts the ring on his bride and declares her to be his, uh, his wife. Before that, we make the bracha under the chuppah. Chanukah, of course, we are, we're holding the candle in our hand, the shamash, and before we light the Chanukah candles, we make the bracha at a bris, uh, before we put a mezuzah up. This is the order we always make the bracha right before fulfilling the mitzvah. 
That is how the sages establish it, so that we should appreciate what it is that we're about to do. Take a moment, recognize you're not just, you know, hammering a mitzvah, you're doing a mitzvah. So before we do the mitzvah, we make a bracha. There are uh, three prominent, probably a few others, but three prominent exceptions to this rule where we make a bracha not before the act, but after we do the mitzvah. The most famous example, I don't, I don't know, let's not call it famous, but one of the most uh, necessary exceptions, I should say, is when a convert goes to the mikvah. When a ger becomes Jewish, so beforehand they're not Jewish. They immerse in the mikvah, and when they, uh, it, when they uh, emerge from the mikvah, they're Jewish. So normally, under the general rules, when should this potential convert make the bracha? So it should have been before going into the water. We always make a bracha beforehand. The problem is, he can't, he or she can't say the words, Asher kiddishonu b'mitzvosavitzivanu, that you've commanded me in. The, there's no command, you're not, he's not Jewish yet. So there, the, the order is reversed. The potential convert will immerse in the mikvah first, then after going in once, we'll make the bracha. And then there are various customs, whether or not he immerses again, sometimes a third time. But the bracha there has to be made after the immersion because only after he immerses can he say the words, Asher Kedishonu B'mitzvosavitzivanu. You commanded us and sanctified us with your mitzvahs now that he's a Jew. So that's an example where the bracha is made afterwards. For that reason, the custom is similarly that when a woman goes to the mikvah in general, a woman will also make the bracha after immersing once, and then she'll make the bracha just like we do for the convert. We keep it the same. Svardim do not do that. Svardim generally will make the bracha before, uh, that it's only the convert who needs to do it that way. The Ashkenazic minig is we keep it all the same, and just like a convert makes the bracha after, so too does a woman who using, uses the mikvah. Another classic example, which you're all familiar with, is Nitilas Yadayim before eating bread. Before we eat uh, bread, you have to wash your hands. So technically speaking, when should we have made the bracha al netilas yadaim? It should have been made immediately prior to washing hands. That's what we do with everything else. You hold the cup in your hand. It should have been. You make al netilas yadaim, and then you wash your hands. Why is it that we do the opposite? We wash our hands first. So it's there too. Since exactly what we're doing is we're about to cleanse our hands, and we generally wouldn't make a bracha with dirty hands. They have to be clean before making a bracha. And you're about to wash your hands. So there too, Chazal established a silly thing to make the bracha right before. Maybe your hands aren't clean and you're going to be washed, even though we're washing them in a ritual way. But bottom line is you're about to wash your hands. So there too, we established that you should, um, you should wash first and then make the bracha. This is why, very important halacha, in order to connect the, the washing to the bracha, since it, the bracha really should have come first, but we delay it till after, ideally the bracha should be made while your hands are still wet, even before you dry your hands. You wash your hands while they're still wet, you should make the bracha, because it's really supposed to have been right before. So we do it as close to the act as possible, and then after making the bracha with wet hands, then you would dry your hands. That's the ideal way to do that. The third exception, which is the topic of our discussion, is candle lighting on Friday night. Why is this also an exception? Because, as we discussed last week, there's a mitzvah to take in Shabbos a little bit early from before when sunset actually comes, which means that we need to actively accept upon ourselves Shabbos because we don't want to wait till Shabbos actually comes. If sunset comes, if Shkia comes, it's Shabbos on its own. 
We want to fulfill the mitzvah of bringing in Shabbos early. We want to actively take it in early. So when do we do that? So men traditionally do that with Marav. They say Kabbalah Shabbos, they sing L'chadodi, Bowi Kala, Bowi Kala, Mizmor Shir Leoma Shabbos, Baruch There are different shitas exactly which stage of davening is accepting Shabbos. But at some point during the davening, which is generally before sunset, They've taken in Shabbos so that they've already on their own taken it in. Summer months, it's always before Shabbos. In the winter months there, it's a little bit trickier because sometimes it really runs, if Mincha runs a little bit late, they might actually hit sunset before actively taking in Shabbos early, which is really what our goal is. But that's a talk for another discussion. The bottom line is men generally accept Shabbos through davening. Women generally accept Shabbos through candle lighting. And the, the act of the bracha, when they say, that is the acceptance of Shabbos when they make that bracha. Therefore, they, were to, they would have a problem. They would have a problem of actually lighting the candles after you make the bracha. Because since the bracha declares it to be Shabbos, you can't light a candle after that. You just made it Shabbos. So that, that wouldn't work. So what we do is, what we do is, we light all of the candles without making a bracha. We've lit the candles. Then a woman would cover her eyes, in essence saying, I don't want to get any benefit from this light. If you remember from last week, we discussed the whole purpose of lighting candles Friday night is to provide light. We need to get benefit from the light. We need to enjoy the light. But I, I, did, I, I can't make the bracha first. If I make the bracha, then I can't light the candles anymore because I can't light candles on Shabbos. So I need to light all the candles, but I don't want to yet get benefit because I actually want to make my bracha before getting the benefit, which is the way that it's supposed to be done. So I light all the candles. I cover my eyes, in essence saying, I'm not benefiting. I don't want to see the light. I don't want to get anything from it. Then I make my bracha, and then as soon as I make my bracha, I see the light, which is the way that it's supposed to be done. First you make your bracha, then you fulfill the mitzvah. Here, because of the technicality of the difficulty of Shabbos, I have to do it a little bit backwards, in which I will light, not get any benefit from the candles by covering my eyes, and then, um, and then uh, after I make the bracha with my eyes closed, then I take my hands off of my face, I look at the light, and I have now made the bracha and fulfilled the mitzvah of getting benefit from the light of the candles. That is why a woman closes her eyes before, um, before making the bracha. Couple of points. A man, let's say a man, uh, he, he's not married or he's home alone, whatever the case may be, and he needs to light. He's away for Shabbos, which, as we said, a, a man has the same obligation as a woman. He's generally fulfilled his obligation with his wife's lighting if someone is lighting for him at home. But let's say he's in a situation where he's by himself, there is nobody else. So he needs to light. But after he lights, he's going to shul to daven. And he's going to drive or he's going to accept daven. He usually accepts Shabbos when he's in shul. So a man doesn't have this problem because he's not accepting Shabbos with his lighting. The woman, in general, is accepting Shabbos with her lighting. So she has the issue. She can't make the bracha and then light. She has to light first without the bracha, having in mind, I'm not taking in Shabbos, I'm closing my eyes, and then I make the bracha. And then I... So if a man is lighting Shabbos candles, he can light Shabbos candles the same way he lights Hanukkah candles, which is he makes the bracha first, 
And then he lights all of the candles because he's not taking in Shabbos anyway with his lighting. He's going to go to shul and take in Shabbos after Mincha. He still has, if you take in Shabbos, he can't have a Mincha still. So since uh, a man who's lighting generally is not yet ready to take in Shabbos, so he would light candles in the normal way like he does Hanukkah time. He would make a bracha first, then light. Then he goes to shul, he davens mincha, does whatever he wants to do, and he takes in Shabbos in his normal method. That's point number one. Now again, very important to note, I think we've discussed this before, but a woman has the ability to say, I don't want to take in Shabbos with my candle lighting. I also, I'm going to a bar mitzvah, I'm going to an ofer, if I'm, I'm driving to wherever I'm going. I want to light at home, and I'm going to go somewhere. So she has a right to say, uh, make a tenai, make a condition, and say, this week, I'm not accepting Shabbos with my lighting. And then she could, uh, she can still do the same process. She also can do it the other way if she wants. But it's just important to note, the main gist here is that a woman generally is assumed to be taking in Shabbos when she lights. She can make a tonight, she can make a condition that she doesn't want to do that. And say, tonight I'm not, I'm lighting, and then I'm going to drive to shul. Um, and she's 100% allowed to do so. The, the working assumption for a man is that's what he's doing. The working assumption for a woman is she is taking in Shabbos when she lights. Either one has every right on any given Shabbos to do the opposite. A man can say, I'm not going to shul. I'm taking in Shabbos now with my lighting. And he would do the same way as a woman would. He would then light first without a bracha, cover his eyes, make the bracha, and then uncover his eyes. Just like a woman would because he's taking in Shabbos with his lighting. And a woman can say, I'm not taking in Shabbos with my lighting. And then she could do, it's always best just to keep the normal procedure, not to get confused, but she's not taking in Shabbos with her lighting and she could say so and then she can get in a car and drive to shul if she so chooses. Um, two more points. Number one, what about Yantiv? Yantiv doesn't have any of these issues because on Yantiv you're allowed to light candles. It's, it's Yantiv, it's not Shabbos. So there are two various customs uh, when it comes to women lighting candles on Yantiv. Some have the custom of, I don't want to change, I want to keep the routine, I don't want to get confused, and the same way that I do it on Shabbos, I'm going to do the same thing on Yantiv, and I'm going to light first, cover my eyes, make the bracha, and just like Shabbos, even though you don't need to do it that way on Yantiv, we're people of, we're, we're creatures of, uh, of custom and of habit. And so as not to get confused, they just do it the same way. And other women do the exact opposite, specifically to, to declare, today is Yantiv, not Shabbos. Today I'm allowed to light candles. They would hold a, a single candle in their hand, make the bracha, the hadik ner shal Yantiv, and then light the candles because you're allowed to do it that way on Yantiv. The reason why many women do not choose to do that is because, as you all know, sometimes Yantiv is Friday, sometimes it's Moshe Shah. It's like, it's super confusing. And the last thing that a woman wants to be confused about is all of a sudden it's a Friday night Yantiv where you have to light like regular Shabbos. And so many women have the custom, they light candles the same way, Always, no matter what, Yantiv, Shabbos, Yom Kippur, they do it the same way. But technically speaking, on a Yantiv, you can light the other way because we don't have the issue that we have. That leaves us with our last question. So what's with the three hand, what's with the waves? So the answer is, that is not a halachic concept at all. The only thing that is required is the covering of the eyes because we want to fulfill the halacha of we're supposed to be making a bracha before. But we can't on Friday night, as for the reasons we explained. So we cover our eyes, we make the bracha, and then we look. 
What's with the waving? That is, there's really no source for that in rabbinic literature. That has developed, and if you look around, you'll see many beautiful reasons, whether or not you're welcoming the Shabbos angels, whether or not you're welcoming in the Shabbos energy, in thought, in action, and in words. Uh, you'll find many beautiful reasons for uh, the wave, um, but none of them are halachic. The halachic requirement is the covering of their eyes to say, I don't want to get benefit from the light until I make my bracha. The wave is beautiful. I, I, I don't, if it's meaningful, it's lovely. You should do it. It's, it is a, one of the most widespread customs, so I'm, I'm not in any way disparaging it. I'm just pointing out it's not a halachic concept that it needs to be done. That, that is all about... You know, bringing in the, the sanctity, the Kedusha of, uh, of Shabbos. Um, and there are many Kabbalistic uh, sources and beautiful ideas out there. But from a halachic perspective, what's most important is the covering of the eyes um, when it comes to a woman lighting before Shabbos. Since, since the general rule, just to quickly repeat, since the general rule is that we make a bracha beforehand. Since here Shabbos, a woman is assumed to take in Shabbos with her bracha. Therefore, she needs to light first. Then she covers her eyes because she doesn't want to receive benefit, which is the whole purpose of the lighting. So it's as if she hasn't lit. She makes her bracha. She takes in Shabbos. And now she sees the light of the candles that she has lit. And it is Shabbos in the home with that lighting. That is the reason for the covering of the eyes. And the wave you should continue to do because it is a beautiful custom that Jewish women have done for a long time. Um, in regards to the question that just came in, yes, can you light Yantav candles once it has started? There are also two traditions with when a woman lights Yantav candles. Some on Shabbos, of course, we have to light candles before Shabbos starts. There's no question about that. Yantiv, some like to light candles also a few minutes right before Yantiv start, and some specifically light candles after Yantiv starts, because again, you can. On the second day of Yantiv, we always light candles after Yantiv starts, because the second day, you can't use the first day to prepare for the second day. So we always light the second day of Yantiv after Yantiv starts. And the first day, also, you know, different customs. Some like, to, some like to treat it like Shabbos, and they like to light candles a few minutes before Yantiv. And if you miss that time, you can. Because if, the only difference is, again, if you missed Yantiv lighting candles on the first day, you can't strike a match. You have to then get a fire from another source, which is why most women do like to light candles a little bit before Yantiv, because they could strike a match and then light the candles. Otherwise, just like on the second day of Yantiv, you have to have a pre-existing flame in order to light your Yantiv candles. If you missed lighting Yantiv candles before Yantiv started on the first day, and you're running a little bit late, you can't strike a match. So you have to have a pre-existing candle. So that's why most women, I think, like to light their Yantiv candles just like on Shabbos a few minutes before. But uh, if you missed it, you certainly could light them on Yantav itself, just like we do on the second day. Okay, a few minutes of, uh, of halacha and on your Tuesday afternoon. Always a pleasure spending some time together. And uh, look forward to meeting again next week. Next week we'll start some Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur topics. Okay, looking forward.